in uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I'm going to try out this new gym, which is geared a little bit more towards adults that I found um, because the gym that I was using for gymnastics was definitely a bunch of kids. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're still a kid. I mean, let's let's be real hard. Of course, no. I I hope that saves. For so long, I was the young one in the industry. It always felt like I was like the baby. And then I was at New England room show this last year, and I was in a van full of kids. You know, like when everyone loads into the car to like go to McDonald's or whatever because everyone's been drinking all night and so like I go to do that and I was the oldest one in the van and I was like what the heck when did this happen so I can see you going to to like tumbling class and pushing a little like six-year-old away and being like let me show you how it's done (laughs) (laughs) I definitely turn my nose in the air because I know I'm better (laughs) (laughs) oh that's hilarious This is episode eight with Ryan Alvarez here with Grooming Unleashed. Uh, It feels great to be back after a month-long hiatus due to a sickness I finally was able to shake. And I am so pleased to announce our next guest who is talented in regards to entertaining videos. He's a very talented groomer and uh, just has his hands in a lot of successful businesses and endeavors. And I am extremely pleased to announce our next guest, Blake Hernandez. Hey, hey, you found us. This is Grooming Unleashed, where we learn and talk about the ins and outs of the pet grooming industry. From pro groomers and salon owners to show hosts and dog handlers, We'll jump into the stressful and crazy stories of the day-to-day operations of the crazy world of grooming. I'm your host, Ryan Alvarez. Our podcast is sponsored by Loyalty Pet Products. Loyalty Pet Products provides quality grooming tools and accessories at an affordable price. From shears to stripping knives to smocks and hammocks, Loyalty Pet Products has an essential tool to fit your expectation and style. Use code UNLEASHED to save 10% today. Loyalty Pet Products, uniquely designed, beautifully priced. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Alvarez with special guest Blake Hernandez for episode eight of Grooming Unleashed. Blake, how's it going? Hi guys, Blake Hernandez here. Hi Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Blake. Thank you so much uh, for for being a guest on our show. Uh, So let's get right to it. Uh, How long have you been grooming for? Um, I have been grooming here in, it'll be February 4th, 2020 will be my seven-year groomiversary, which is what I call it. And um, I was never like a bather or a 4-H kid. I didn't have show dogs growing up or anything like that so i went right into grooming and i it'll be seven years here pretty soon and then uh do you feel like because you didn't do uh any of like the bathing or like kind of like the you know hands-on baby steps going into the grooming do you feel like that kind of was a hindrance to you or do you feel like you actually benefited from not doing that so um when i started with grooming as a career 
Um, it was, I didn't know it was that. And I certainly didn't know it was going to be a passion. But um, there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Are you familiar? Uh, no, I'm not. So um, the Dunning-Kruger effect is basically where you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And it is in reference to when someone has no experience um, and then they start to get a little bit of experience, their confidence skyrockets. And then as they gain more knowledge and experience, their confidence actually shoots way down. And then it starts to swoop and slowly sway back up as it heads towards expert level of um, experience. And so you don't know what you don't know. And I always took it one step at a time. You know, I knew I wanted to be a groomer and then I knew I wanted to learn how to do faces better. And then I wanted to learn how to do breed trims and it just kept growing from there. That's awesome. Yeah. That, I mean, that can be definitely uh, an addictive feeling, you know, to where you're just, you're on cloud nine. You're like, okay, what else can I learn? Uh, where did you, where did, where did you learn about that theory? Um, I, I actually forget where I learned. I forget where I learned about it initially, but then I was discussing something with a business partner of mine still. And he was like, Oh, that's called something, you know, that there's a name for that, that what you're talking about. And then we like looked it up and then we're like, Oh my gosh. And so ever since then, it's really applicable to any learned skill or set of tasks where mm -hmm. someone doesn't know what they don't know in the beginning because they're so novice. Yeah, that's how I am with the dishes at the house. <laughs> right, you just don't know what you don't know, Ryan. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's weird though. I'm not learning uh, after all these years. Um, <laughs> hey, so who, if any, would you say were some of your idols uh, in this industry and, and why? So we have two different things that are like premiere at each show and that is best in show and best all around. And while either one would suffice as a uh, dream and a goal achieved, I have always thought best all around was way more admirable for someone to go out and consistently hit on different um, technical applications and different profiles and expressions uh, for me was way more admirable. So um, I have always really enjoyed the work of Ann Martin and Irina Pinkusevich, which both of them kind of groom the same way um, and they're very good friends. But Ann Martin can really just, she gets dogs like on a biblical sense. And it's like she is part dog and she'll tell you that herself. <laughs> and um, so she's very much able to strip a standard schnauzer to perf perfection and then spray up you know, and cut in a brand new 12 month old poodle and go best all around after, you know, 15 years out of the ring. So she's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I, I Irina is definitely somebody who, uh, it's one of the reasons why I actually created the show because 
you know, I've said in the past, I, I want people to feel comfortable uh, approaching other people if they were to go to a show and see, see one of their idols. And I know Irina is just really like, just, she's really up there as far as judging and grooming. And, uh, you know, I, I, I talk to her when I can, but I still, she's just one of those people, you know, she's busy. Um, so it's a real quick hello and a hug and I let her go. Uh, <laughs> um, but she's great. She's great. Um, so now let's go back to when you said that you got into grooming and it's been almost seven years. First off, congratulations. Um, what, what really got you started to begin with, uh, even to even like want to think about grooming a dog? So uh, I was born and raised in central California and for people living in the Midwest or any flyover state, I'm sure they think, Ooh, California, super liberal. But um, Bakersfield, California is like West Texas in California. And I grew up in a very conservative uh, type area. And it was also very towny feeling. And as anyone across the nation or anyone that's ever watched Intervention, you'll see that um, those towns seem to be hit hardest with hard drugs. And although I grew up around them, it was never something that intrigued me or anything like that. And then I moved to the big city of San Francisco and I was broke and I had no friends and I was just in a really low place. I started hanging out with the wrong people and doing the wrong things. Um, and that included a brief addiction with meth. And actually what pulled me from that was adopting my first dog as an adult wow. um she, she was a a dog that the mother had died and the puppy was only two weeks old and I had to care for it full time I quit mm -hmm. my job um I was living on Treasure Island which is the island in the San Francisco Bay and so I just never went into the city and never let myself get around that stuff and I stayed and raised my puppy and through raising my puppy, I was always watching Animal Planet. And Animal Planet plays commercials for online grooming schools. And so it kind of started getting seeded in my head at that time. <laughs> That's amazing what advertising does, yep. <laughs> yeah, right? It really did. So that, that is definitely a... I, I I did not know that about you, and I'm sure a lot of people did not know that about you. So thank you for sharing that. That's uh, that is not an easy uh, cave to get out of, and so that is definitely a story of the rescued dog rescuing the person. Right, it really is, and it is a tough battle. Um, my younger sibling, though we weren't close in age or grew up around each other um, like that he is now currently struggling with drug addiction. So to anyone that's listening that has a loved one that is having a hard time or you yourself have had that issue, just know that it can get a heck of a lot better. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. But, um, so let, let's, let's take you back to maybe like year one. And so you're a fairly new groomer. 
and I'm going to give you $500 cash and you are able to buy uh, necessary tools that you need for the future year, but you have nothing else. So what would you spend that $500 on? Uh, let's see. Don't say so nothing. <laughs> I, I would buy the cheapest five-in-one clipper because let me tell you folks, the clipper doesn't matter too much. It's way more about the blade and we all buy the same blades for those five in ones. So as long as the motor's moving, um, I would buy those five in ones, whatever one is out there at that time at the cheapest price. And then I would buy a subscription to Foxy Roxy's scissor of the month club because, (laughs) because it is only $45 a month. And if you want to cancel, you only have to give us one month notice. So you could easily have five pairs of scissors in five months and maybe decide you have to spend your money elsewhere. But, um, and then I guess you would need a brush and a comb. And at that point, I want to stay in my, in my price range confidently. So I'm going to leave it there. All right. I'm actually, this is kind of a, a segue into what I'm going to ask you next. I'm actually surprised you didn't say a, a really damn good camera to make you look good for your videos. <laughs> um, it, it's all in the lighting. Folks. <laughs> um, all right. So let, let's, let's get into that. So uh, how long ago did you start making these kind of like parody videos and what was the kind of influence or inspiration for you to start doing it? And uh, how long does it take you? I know it's kind of like a three-part question, but um, how long does it take you to go from start to finish? Because it's a lot of work, trust me. I, I, I know it is, and I know you know it is. A lot of people out there probably don't. So, uh, yeah. So I like to refer to myself, and I'll go ahead and uh, let no. everyone <laughs> I'll let, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, let everyone hear, hear it first, though I haven't figured out how exactly I want to use this. But I am the original groom fluencer. Um, I have really set a trend with utilizing social media in the ways that other industries do. Um, I obviously didn't invent teaching and I didn't invent cameras and I didn't invent editing, but to uh, breathe life into it in Grooming was definitely something I can confidently say I um, was a leading force on that. And it actually kind of started in a funny way. I had lost a bunch of weight, which is kind of something I'm in the middle of doing right now. We'll get to that. Yep. (laughs) Um, But I had lost a bunch of weight and it was the summer and every summer I bleached my hair. And so I bleached my hair and I was skinny and my hair was all gross and like I was tired of toning it and I was just going to buzz it off and let my hair grow back. But at the time my grooming had really come along. I was open level. I had, um, maybe I had competed at open level at this point, but I was definitely um, placed into open level by this point. And I decided to do what everyone was asking me to and do a grooming video everyone had been asking on my pictures that you have to show us how to do this. You have to show us how to do that. 
And so Facebook Live had really just come about a few months before then, and I hadn't used it. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I was going to buzz my head, my own head, live on Facebook. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I was going to tease it by saying, okay, guys, I'm finally going to do it. Here's a live grooming. And so everyone tuned in, and it was my first live, but I mean, it got like 3,000 views right away because everyone thought I was going to be grooming, and then it ended up being this funny, like, okay, Blake, you're a dork. Um, You're just shaving your head. And uh, shortly thereafter, I became a brand ambassador, and I was asked to do more social media stuff, so I just kind of put my own spin on it. That's cool. What is your, uh, what's your favorite video to date that, or that you really enjoyed doing? Not necessarily the one that was the most popular, but the one that as you were doing it, you just like, it was hard for you to keep a straight face. Okay. So, um, you asked about me doing the parody videos and stuff and with how long it takes. And some of them, you would be surprised at how quick I quickly I can do them now. Um, now that I can really envision everything that I want to do and kind of where I'm going with it and then just execute it in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first one that was really a parody type video was Weird Blake Pudelvich, which is one of my many alter egos. And it is entitled Part of Groom Team. And I changed the words of part of your world from Disney's Little Mermaid to part of Groom Team. And it's a song about my aspirations for Groom Team. And that one took a long time. That one took a really long time. It actually ended up getting nominated as a Barkley Honors Video of the Year. Didn't win. But um, You're the I did. <laughs> you get nominated so much. We'll get to that too. We'll get to that too. <laughs> so, so it got nominated. And was so... It took a long time. Like I watched that scene in Little Mermaid like a hundred times because I was trying to have as much similarity as I could, you know, muster in my salon so that it would, you know, at least keep to the storyline in some way. So it took a long time. I had to order a wig. I had to cut a wig. I had to get a mermaid tail. Like there was a lot going on. And um, it took a long time. But then I've done like um, these, now I've been doing these imitation videos. And those ones have been a little bit faster to do. And I have another one coming very soon. You'll probably, you might, you might see it before you hear this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we, uh, we, I saw the one uh, from Bardell Bowes and that was hilarious. (laughs) Thank you. So I, Say my favorite one, now let me finish the answer, is I did a Bird Box uh, video, which it actually wasn't one of my more successful videos. It was like 10, 15,000 views. Um, and I do have multiple videos with 200,000 views. So um, with the Bird Box one, I just really, I was one of those people that really, really enjoyed the video, like the movie. I thought it was really good. Uh-huh. And I loved what it was doing on social media. And I thought I had to do something with it while it was so hot. And I kind of fell into this mood where I didn't want to do all this extra stuff. 
And I ended up releasing it a few weeks later than I wish I had. And I think that's why I didn't do as well. But mm -hmm. um, I did a bird box video and it was so funny. I had so much fun doing it. <laughs> uh, now, videos are not always fun and games. And I think you know where this is going. So, um, you know, a few years ago, you had a controversial YouTube video that came out and it had you holding a cat and um what can you kind of shed some light on that whole situation yeah i mean i i know it's nothing that's fun to talk about but i appreciate you bringing it up i asked to kind of clear the air with anyone that had um maybe a lingering bad taste in their mouth or um, just really uh, negative feelings towards what you saw in a minute and change video. It was a very short video of me holding a cat. The cat was a new client in a new salon. Um, I had just opened, was working by myself, um, <clears throat> and there as you know in any business there's kinks to work out at times mm -hmm. with anything you, you know you work in a restaurant there's kinks to work out with you know the numbers of the tables just as much as you open a groom shop and there's something to work out with where you hang the hose or something like that so it was a new shop just a couple months and the cat was brought in by an older person with a language barrier who struggled to communicate the answers that I had asked him, like um, what was the reason he was bringing in a cat that was so old that hadn't been groomed before. Oh, well, he's been, he kept saying something along the lines of he's been getting into trouble. He keeps getting himself into trouble. Huh. And that he was getting himself dirty because he was getting himself into trouble. Now, of course, it wasn't communicated like that. He was, again, having issues. So, I was working on a dog, so I take the cat in, and it's matted just from front to back. And where I feel like the problem that happened could have been stopped and maybe maybe not happened in my care, but would have likely happened soon, um, was I could have at that time checked the cat's gums to check for capillary refill, but I didn't. The cat was matted. I shaved the cat, I bathed the cat, and I wrapped the cat in a towel and put him in a kennel while I finished the face on the dog prior. Put the dog down, pull the cat out, and it's at that time that I realized that the cat hasn't regained any of his heat. Mm -hmm. None of his body warmth had come back. I pull on the skin that is now only exposed because I've shaved off the vast majority of the mats. And it doesn't snap back. And I now know for sure that the cat is dehydrated. Right. I immediately call the emergency number to inform the owner and then go to the vet, which is located two blocks away from me. Uh, again, I'm in a city where I walk to work, so I didn't have a car with me that day. So I call the owner and the owner doesn't answer. So I call the owner of the store. Um, I don't own the store. I'm the manager. So I call the owner of the store to say, actually, I take that back. At this point, I had already recorded the cat 
and I had said, hey, this cat looks kind of like not right, you know, but, you know, what do you want me to do prior to shaving it? So I forgot, I forgot that part. So okay. I had already, I had already a video recorded the cat and I had sent it to the owners of the store and I had said, hey, like this cat isn't like, it, it's like really old, like I don't know what you want me to do, but I didn't know there was anything wrong with it at that point other than recognizing that it was old and matted. So then I get it out and I realize it's cold. So I call the owner, I call the other owner. And that's when I get a hold of someone and I say, hey, like I have a client in the shop right now. I can't get a hold of anyone, but I have to run across the emergency vet. Like the owners of the store live eight hours away. Like wow. it was like there was no, I was in a salon by myself. I had a client that was, you know, essentially coming to pick up their dog a client that didn't know where I was going with their cat. Like it was just a mess. So when I got a hold of the owner, which is all, you know, within like 90 seconds, I get a hold of someone and I say, keep calling the owner to tell him that I'm at the vet. I'll just lock up the store. And the person who comes to sit is going to just have to sit in the parking lot and wait for their dog, you know? Mm -hmm. So I run to the vet. And when I get to the vet, I'm like, I run through the doors. And I'm like, this cat is dying. I need help. Emergent, like, help me, help me. And the guy behind the counter is like, well, how do you know he's dying? And I'm like, get over here and look at this cat. He's freaking dying. Come help me. <laughs> and they come over and they pull the cat out. And the cat is, you know, they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, like he's not great. But both of our vets on staff are busy right now. You're going to have to go to a different vet. We can't treat you. Oh, wow. And I, was like, I was like, okay, well, give me your phone. And this is something that I think is worth its weight in gold. In all that flustered mess, I wanted there to be a paper trail that I got my live client to a vet with wait, uh, trying to get treatment and they wouldn't treat me. And so I needed there to be a trail to show that I tried to call the owner again to be like, hey, I'm at this vet. They won't let me here. I'm going to this vet, you know? Mm -hmm. so, I, so I do that doesn't answer again when I get back to the salon he's waiting there so I give him his cat he takes his cat to the emergency vet and I call him back later that night after of course you know sobbing in tears all day yeah so I call him that night and I find out um that the cat had passed and not only that um I am obviously friends with people in the animal community down here in San Diego and um, I had a friend that was actually a vet tech in the, in the facility that he ended up taking his cat to, uh -huh. to be treated. And the cat could have been treated. He was old. There wasn't necessarily a good chance he would make it, but the owner declined. The owner did not have the cat humanely euthanized. The owner chose to take the cat home and die in his lap of natural causes. So wow. while many people feel that there was a lot of wrong and that I should have been hanged. I feel very confident that in that cat's long life, its final memories were of me making it feel a whole lot better. And right. I held that cat and I sobbed and that freaking whole thing was just awful. And, um, and to have people, accused me of animal cruelty um and to falsely diagnose 
through a video in a 90 second clip is really shameful on their part. So I, you know, learned a lot. I can't say that in that instant, there was a whole lot more I would have done different, but that one thing I would have would have been checking the guns before right. I had rendered any services on the cat. Well, I've known you for a couple of years and, you know, I'd say by the last six, eight months, you and I have gotten even closer on friendship level as far as us seeing each other more at the shows and stuff. I guess uh, someone did show me the video about a year ago. And so, of course, I was that typical, like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going on? I guess devil's advocate would be, and I'm assuming maybe this is what you've been hearing from people, is, like, why are you, why would you record, you know, instead of getting the cat to a vet or something, which that obviously wasn't portrayed in the video, that you had already called the vet? Or, and I'm trying to remember to go back, but why do you, how would you... Yeah, go ahead. Go. Sorry. So, it, in, at that time, while I was very shaken up and I knew it was a very serious situation, yeah. Um, like I had said, I had instructed the owner to call the owner of the cat and let them know what was going on and to let me know what was going on. And like I had said, I'd already recorded. So, that is something that I still do, and I think everyone should. Anytime there is something out of the ordinary in my salon, I take a picture of it or I, I, I take a video of it so that I have proof that it was, you know, there before or, you know, it was, it looked like this and it's odd or, you know, whatever. It was matted, those types of videos or pictures. And so because this cat was an extreme case, I had taken multiple videos and that happened to be the 90 seconds that I was waiting to hear back from my owner. To hear, to hear, hey, I got a hold of them, go, or I couldn't get a hold of them, you know, go, or they don't want you to go to that vet, go to this vet. Like, you know, I was waiting that 90 seconds to get assurance. And because taking videos is something very normal for me, very, you know, typical for me to do, mm -hmm. um, I, and, and it was a bad situation that I wanted um, video. So, um, while the 90 seconds that was out there for the public to kind of rip apart, um, there was a lot, obviously, before and after that incident that um, that they didn't see and they can't really judge. Yeah, I, I mean, I can imagine at that point in time, you know, you trying to do everything that you can and then not that that shop not being yours to be like, okay, can I just leave or whatever? You're really like, a, what the F do I do at this point? I mean, well, like, it's, it's more than that. Cause that makes me sound like I'm just ignorant. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that the, the moral of the story is that the cat got to the vet safely. The first time mm -hmm. it got to the vet safely. The second time, while it was a bad situation, I still need to make sure that the company is not going to get sued right. over a dead cat when the person hasn't been taking care of it in the first place. The person isn't going to take care of it when it needs vet services. What I'm saying is, is that the 90 seconds that I recorded were not the life and death situation. Right. That wasn't a factor. And I, and I can sleep at night knowing that. Right. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you brought that up and that you wanted to bring that up and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully, I, and that's the thing too. 
you you know this and and you know obviously bringing it up some people are probably going to go right and try to find the video now but now they know a lot more of the background behind it so there there shouldn't be any issues so i'm glad that you brought that up so thank you well and if people still feel that you know there are people that their resolution was to um, administer sub q fluids which couldn't be more wrong of an answer in my head if i were to ever administer something to an animal that's already having issues i i must be you know yeah but you're not, yeah and you're, you're not a vet so right and, but so yeah. many people that was their thing oh you could have popped some sub q fluids in that animal and it would have been fine well you know what you're right it could have made the animal healthier for that moment it made a May it may have helped the animal last longer, get to the vet to treat what was already wrong with the cat. And in reality, the cat was old and not properly cared for, and probably wasn't going to live much longer. And you know how people are—they like to get their animal cleaned up before anyone sees what they let do to it. Yeah. And and, and I feel like I let myself get in that situation, but I don't regret that part, and I yeah. don't regret the video. And I don't regret any of that. I regret not checking the cat's gums when it got to my salon. Well, and then that's, a, I, you know, definitely, you know that my wife's a groomer and I, you guys really are as close to a vet as you can possibly be without the paycheck because you guys, ha like, you're not required to check all the stuff for lumps and all this other stuff. However, you know, you can save a dog or cat's life easily because you are checking thoroughly every time you groom a client's pet. And of course, right. obviously if it's their first time, it's going to be that much harder because you don't know any differences because you've never done them before. Right. Um, I can tell you, and I know you're going to agree with this, you groomers out there never give anything to a dog or cat because you think it's going to help them because you never know if they have allergies or anything else, and then you might be liable to be sued. Right, and I, I, and I do absolutely agree with that. You know, yeah. I, I, a part of my training in the beginning was to go and work for a breeder, and um, she bred more than just dogs. She bred, you know, certain types of birds and certain types of uh, livestock, and a part of all of that life is being able to treat a lot of things at home and recognize them at home and, and care for and quarantine and, and administer and treat and all that stuff at home and being able to recognize it. And so like, I did not feel ignorant in that situation. I felt like I was just the last person to touch that cat, but I touched it with love. And I hope every groomer out there continues to keep that in their forefront because also at that time we were just getting a lot of those pop-up videos of people abusing animals right and i was trying to also show that i had never met this cat before and i was losing it i cried for like 10 days every day i walked to work because i would just just be thinking about going to work where this thing happened yeah it's traumatizing for sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's go to some, some happy thoughts. Let's yeah. <laughs> listen, man, I, I appreciate you bringing it up. And, uh, obviously, you know, you, you, you love animals and uh, a lot of us do. So it's, um, it is what it is. And, and I'm sorry that you went through that, but I, again, I'm, I'm glad that you cleared the air with that. So, um, 
let's get into what you are doing right now, which is, um, you, you know, you briefly mentioned that you are on a fitness kick and uh, hashtag groomers health matters, by the way. Uh, so I know that the last that I checked in with you, you had lost 30 pounds. Let's, uh, let's go a little bit into that. Yeah. So, um, I'm really, really good at focusing on any one thing. Um, and I always have been, I was, you know, seventh in the nation as a tumbler and I was 10th in the world with my team as a cheerleader. And I have first place trophies in martial arts. Like, I did all different things, but I had to focus on them. And this year, I focused on Groom Source and traveling to film for Groom Source. And I was editing for Groom Source. And I was, it was a lot on top of my already other established jobs. And I really let my weight get away from me. And I knew that the off season was coming. And I knew that I needed to take care of myself in my off season. And so that's what I did. I, you would not believe it, but I ate as much fried cheese as I possibly could <laughs> in Virginia because the second I was getting home, there was going to be no more fried stuff. And yeah, I quickly dropped 30 pounds in thir roughly 30-ish days. And uh, then Thanksgiving came and I definitely ate as much as I possibly could on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I totally... I totally lost no weight that week. So we'll see what the weigh-ins this week say, but Thanksgiving threw me off my groove a little. Yeah, I mean, it throws a lot of people off their groove too. I I, I was, you know, we're doing something too. I, I mentioned hashtag groomers health matters because um, I'm going to be completely transparent here. Uh, you guys know Loyalty Pet Products, um, you know, sponsors the show. And we came out with groomer pants and we have a lot of people that are upset that I'm not doing anything more than an extra large. And it really kind of hit me, you know, like we made smocks that were three XL and then I wanted, I had requests for four XL and five XL. And like, it really bothered me because as a fat kid growing up, I know how hard it is like with uh, self image and, you know, losing weight and then putting it back on and then losing weight and putting it back on. And it's like, when is it going to end? So uh, I really wanted to put it out there because I myself, since I've met my wife, which uh, we started dating seven years ago, um, I was modeling back then. And that was, I was 165 pounds and I got to 200 pounds recently. And um, so we did this little challenge and it, I went down, I dropped eight pounds and then Thanksgiving came. And uh, so, yeah, we're just going to blame, <laughs> we're going to blame that holiday for a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, well, I'm determined, it always takes that for me. Like I said, I've, I've done this before. I fluctuate, I fluctuate a good 60 pounds up and down, um, and I always have. But um, when I do it, I'm always at a place where I have to diet first and, like, get to that part where you feel good from the inside out. And then I can start working out. So I was doing some light aerobics by means of like hip hop dance class and um, going to gymnastics and doing some of my uh, lower level tumbling skills. But I definitely am stepping it up this week. I start like a boot camp on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I'm going to try out this new gym, which is geared a little bit more towards 
adults that I found um, because the gym that I was using for gymnastics was definitely a bunch of kids. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're still a kid. I mean, let's let's be real hard. Of course, no. I I hope that stays. For so long, I was the young one in the industry. It always felt like I was like the baby. And then I was at New England groom show this last year and I was in a van full of kids, you know, like when everyone loads into the car to like go to McDonald's or whatever, because everyone's been <laughs> drinking all night. And so like I go to do that and I was the oldest one in the van. And I was like, what the heck? When did this happen? So I can see you going to, to like tumbling class and pushing a little like six-year-old away and being like, let me show you how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely turn my nose in the air because I know I'm better. Than <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Um, all right. So what, what breed do you absolutely, uh, you feel comfortable grooming, but at the same time, it forces you out of your comfort zone? Hmm. That's a good question. I thought you were just going to ask what I like grooming and like, duh, freaking poodles. That's all I like. If, if I, honestly, if I could only groom, if I could only groom poodles and cats all day and never touch anything else, I absolutely would. I do a ton of Bichons because I showed a Bichon and I worked for Bichon breeders out here. So I get a lot of referrals for those. But other than that, um, I don't, I don't know, a, a breed, I, I have, it's like every breed I have, I have like a few of, you know what I mean? Like I don't have a ton of soft-coated Wheaton Terrier mm -hmm. to the point where I have a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier trimmed to do all the time. Um, I like to do that kind of stuff in the ring. I did a miniature schnauzer this year in the, in the open level division just because like I thought, okay, I know that I know how to do this trim and I know how to hand strip, but I also know that I don't know how to do a show miniature schnauzer. So <laughs> I'm going to spend an hour and 45 minutes focusing on that one task. Um, and I would say maybe that miniature schnauzers were kind of my, uh, my kryptonite in, in my master's certification process. I could not pass that test as a baby groomer and I switched over to a Wheaton. Oh, that's, that's good to know. I know my, my, my wife is definitely wanting to, she's wanting to learn how to hand strip and I know it's not an easy task by any means. And uh, kudos to you, man. It's, it, and I wanted to bring this up right now because I, I know, I already know the answer to the next question, which is, you know, what, what breed do you love grooming? And, and that would definitely be poodle. But what I love about you is the fact that you will try something completely different on a trim for the poodle. And it's just, it's, it's trendy. It's like you, you're trying something different because you can. Right. Right. So one of the joys, one of the joys that I have in poodles versus a Bichon is that Bichons always just look like Bichons. When I go to work for a Bichon breeder, which, like I said, I've done multiple times, it takes me months to learn everyone's names, like all the dogs' names, because all the Bichons just look like Bichons. And it takes me <laughs> a long time to figure out, okay, that one has better eyes. That's Disco. Okay, that one has better hair. That's Jaja. Like, and trying to remember everyone's name and then compile that with, like, okay, she's running away that's that that's Ava you know totally it, right. it's like a computer program where you just hit copy and paste all over the place yeah they're just look at, but but poodles 
they can all be glorious, glamorous, elegant poodles and all look different. They would be different size, different colors, different styles, and still be a beautiful poodle. So I definitely love the poodle for the variety, yet the standard. You know what I mean? Like, it's like coloring outside the lines without coloring outside the lines. Like, no one can get mad at you for it. You're just using the wrong color or something. You know what I mean? And so with the poodle trims, the reason it started is because when I started grooming competitions, I had a standard poodle puppy that I couldn't use until my next year into grooming. And I originally started growing her out to co-own with the breeder. So she was going to be shown. So she had to be in a show puppy trim. This was all new to me. So I was like, sure, whatever, you know? And then she's like, and then when she's a big girl, she's going to be in a continental trim. So I see all these pictures of, you know, her dogs in continental trims. And I just kind of got this idea that I was going to have this beautiful, gorgeous, glamorous, sprayed up, you know, carved out pattern poodle at one point that I owned and it was going to be my dog. And she ended up not growing in a canine and they didn't want to show her. You know, it's not, it's not a fault for them to be missing a tooth because they work, but it isn't something that you would want to breed if you have a genetic anomaly. And right. there, there was no reason why that tooth shouldn't have been there because she wasn't working. So um, <laughs> she wasn't shown, but she was in all this coat already. So I took her in the next year in a show puppy trim and then cut her out into a continental. And when you're an entry level, especially five years ago when I started, when you're an entry level, no one's spraying up. Like they are doing it more now, but for when I was an entry, I was the only continental. Every single time I was the only continental. There were times where my dog spray up was busted. But people would still flock to my dog and take pictures of her and compliment me and give us attention because she stood out. There was a whole sea of modern trims and German trims. And then there was my dog with the balls on her butt and the hair tied up. And like, she just looked different. And so it stands out. And then I just realized how important that was to me and that when you're in open level everyone is really super amazing and just because you didn't place doesn't mean that you didn't have a beautiful groom right so i don't want to go down with a beautiful groom that really doesn't get any any attention because it just blends into the sea so at the very least i want the people and I want the judges and I want my peers to stop and appreciate my work because it stands out and maybe they'll look at it enough and realize that hey the profile is there but um I'm just so distracted by its difference in the ring right now yeah it's definitely I mean you you know you have to take that unique factor for sure and I know there are a lot of groomers that are so afraid to make that jump from intermediate to to open you know because they they know it's just really difficult to once you get there it's just like you said the talent level is just so amazing it's uh yeah man i i understand what you're saying well and a little bit more on the whole one trim thing is there's when you're at a higher level 
in an open level, especially of grooming, and you start renting dogs because you're traveling, you have the um, experience when you're trying out a new trim, and especially when you pick a, pick a specific trim for the year, um, to have your ones at home that you're maintaining and you're keeping groomed every five, six weeks. And then you're having the ones that you're having to cut the trim in on. And when you're doing that whole new pattern on a dog that you're borrowing and you're, you're improving the one that you're staying at home and maintaining through those critiques and, and putting that all together, you get to truly understand the outline. It, I didn't really understand a poodle outline as well as I do now until I had done trims without neck hair, trims with four inches of neck hair, trims with a band and 13 inches of neck hair. See, at the end of the day, all those are acceptable poodle trims. And at the end of the day, all those have to adhere to the same breed profile lines and expression expectations but they have different amounts of hair in different places. So you have to really, really be able to laser focus on what your outline is going to be and cut into it. And that's, that's a skill I'm super proud to have and be able to slap patterns on new dogs pretty easily now. Well, keep it up, man. I, I, I like looking at it and like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a groomer myself, but I love when groomers try something different and it's, it just I I love open mindedness and uh, and well, all aspects you of life. Out, you guys can check out the Desi Bear. Um, the Desi pattern was what I did a lot of this year, but the Desi Bear was a full on uh, evolution of a trim that I was playing with all year, and it is now featured as a guest chapter in Riza Wisnum's third Asian fusion grooming book, um, which is being released here around christmas time awesome well congratulations on that and uh so yeah you've you've done a lot um and you've been recognized a lot so with with all the accolades that you've had over the years especially i believe it was what five barkley honors um nominations this past year correct um, so I was nominated nine times oh i'm i i apologize i'm sorry was it nine or was it seven? It was something like that. No, it was nine. It was nine. So um, <laughs> uh, I have been nominated for Barkley Honors. So I actually have a funny story about that. Okay. So in 2015, I had just started adding. So I'd already been grooming in competitions for a while, but I never added boomers on Facebook. Oddly enough, I was really afraid to mix business with pleasure. And so, like, I never added other groomers to my Facebook. So, in 2015, I started to. And they were really just the ones that I looked up to. So, those ones all tended to get nominated, right? Mm -hmm. So, I was on Facebook one day, and I get flooded with all these people being like, oh, thank you, Barkley, I was nominated for this. And, oh, thank you, Barkley, I was nominated for this and this. And, you know, la, la, la. And it was just right, right there, automatically, another goal, you know, that I had set for myself, okay, I need to get a nomination. Yeah. But, but see, I wasn't a personality yet, but I have always been this kind of person. So I had posted on Facebook, even though I only had like 10 groomer friends and they were all like, you know, big names and, you know, I was a nobody. 
um, I posted. Thank you, Barkley. I just got to, I, I would like to thank you for my nomination for best eyes. And, and, um, and it was actually, you know, received quite well. Uh, you know, I got a lot of attention from the, the few groomers that I had friends with. They thought that was really funny. Um, but it, it did become a goal in 2015. So 2016, um, I, I competed a little bit more. And I placed every single time, every time in every class, entry, intermediate, I always placed with an Australian Terrier, an English Cocker, Poodles, Freestyle. It didn't matter what I took in the ring. I was getting something. Mm-hmm. And I had a really good year. And I was nominated for up and coming groomer of the year. And uh, when I heard that I was nominated for that, I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to Pennsylvania. And living <laughs> in California... Uh, Pennsylvania is quite a trip and I loaded up four dogs and I drove cross country um, to go to Hershey. Oh my god how long of a drive is that? Um, I had blocked out three days for driving both ways but I think (laughs) I think it no no no. so actually it was kind of funny what happened is like the morning I'm supposed to leave my mom calls me and she's like you can't do this by yourself like I have to come with you and I'm like, mom, like, there's no room. I rented a small car because it's just me and the dogs. Like, I can't just, like, shove another person and their stuff in here. She's like, I don't need much. I just need my purse. I already have stuff already. You know, she has a, a, a fiance that lives in Kansas City, Missouri, and he has for, you know, years. He has a farm there, and she does real estate in California, so she can't really move either. And she's always been with this guy. And she's like, you just drop me off in Missouri and you can do the rest of the drive. So my mom, my mom drove like 10 hours of the first bit of the trek so that we didn't have to stop and I could sleep. So I got to Hershey in less than two days. It was crazy. But um, the drive home, I took a different route. I did not pick up my mother. I took my time. <laughs> And I drove all the way home by myself. Um, you and it was mom in Missouri? <laughs> yeah, she flew back. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like three years later. You're like, yeah, I think she's still there. Yeah, I think so, maybe. Yeah, my mom's a saint. She, uh, she also made sure I got to Super Zoo one year and, uh, you know, let me have her car because my car got totaled a week before. And then while her car, while we were all in Vegas, because she met us there still, uh, the car engine blew up and it totaled and she had to stay in Vegas and like buy a new car. And it was like, oh my God, it was this whole thing. And uh, my mom, my mom supports me. <laughs> that's yeah. That's awesome, man. What, what is your, what's your favorite show by the way? Um, so I've been listening to the show and I think you're going to find this a trend, but we all love the show closest to us. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So y- yours would, yours would be super zoo. No, mine is Pasadena. Yours is Pasadena. If I wanted to, I could drive back and forth both days, you know, if I really wanted to. But it's it's about an hour and a half, two hours from where I'm at. Yeah, and, we're, uh, we're actually kind of the opposite. So, you know, my wife competes and, uh, you know, we're also a vendor. So from the vending standpoint, we love Fun in the Sun, which is in Orlando. But from her standpoint right now the biggest show that she's been to is is Hershey which you know how it is with you signing up they they sell out you know all the things get booked up in like two minutes so 
Uh, so we have to be quick on the draw to, to sign up. I know Super Zoo is something that she wants to go to uh, just to kind of see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, any trip to California, you're talking from Florida. That's <laughs> it's not yeah. it's, it's not fun even going to Hershey. It's uh, 18 hours right there. So so Pasadena, we have a booth. You know, we always have a booth there. So it's the only show that we like always have a booth at and we like to do our vending you know our vendor stuff there Mm -hmm. um for foxy roxy supply company but uh as far as like if i were to totally take that out of the equation and i were to just talk about like the quality of the show i am the type of person in personality that i like shows like northwest and new england both those shows are much, much smaller. New England actually just this year became a full show. Like it was one day shorter than all the other shows before. Uh-huh. And the schedule was a little different. So this year it was the same size as a normal show in the same schedule. So it had everything that you would expect from a Barkley show, but it was um, much smaller. So you just get to really talk to everybody. Absolutely. Like everybody, seems to, everybody seems to hang out together um, you know, it's just much smaller and you can make it around all the booths like multiple times. Whereas like at Hershey, I'm sorry, like Hershey is amazing. It's like, it's like mind blowing amazing, but it's exhausting. Yep. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I felt like I was so excited to go and see everybody. And I feel like I only saw everybody for like a second because there's so much to do like and and you have to do it because you're there and you traveled cross country to be there and you told that person that you were going to do this thing or say that you know you know walk this dog or drive you know i mean you you made commitments and you want to be everywhere that you can be and hershey's just so big that everybody's there and it it just it was it wasn't as um personal and i really liked new england and northwest and if you uh, have heard of my Foxify retreats, you know I like real personal events. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll get into that, Blake. And I don't want to keep you too, too long, but yeah, that's definitely, I'm going to let you plug that stuff for sure because I, I love the concept of those retreats. Um, another show that I really like that is still really small right now is the one in, in Ohio that um, Barkley puts on. And, oh, Pet Quest. Yep, Pet Quest. And that's another one too where, you know, uh, you know, I know that you needed to borrow something for a seminar one time and you just, you were like, Ryan, can I borrow this real quick? And I handed it to you. And then I saw you at Wendy's like 20 minutes later. So yeah. uh, it is, that one's, a, that one's really something that if you guys get a chance to go to, it's in the middle kind of, kind of nowhere. It's just beautiful hotel and there's nowhere to, you know, there's nowhere so to go. I'm, gla- I'm glad that you mentioned that one because it is a bigger show. It's actually quite a large show. But because of location, yeah. <laughs> you're, kind of, you're kind of stranded there. I hate to say that word. But, but, like, you know, you have to go to either Wendy's or that restaurant, Bob and Norma's or whatever it is. Max and Irma's or whatever. Yeah, that's right, Max and Irma's. Yep, that's it. So, so you have to go there. <laughs> and let's be honest, Max and Irma's food is atrocious. And it's then like expensive. It's really expensive for yeah. Just and like, it's expensive. It's really bad and it's really expensive. So it's um you just get stranded there and you don't want to buy more food and you don't want to buy more drinks. So you just keep talking to everybody 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, Pet Quest. I gotta say, I can't promise that I'll be at that show this year, Aww. but <laughs> um, it is a good show. Yeah, it's bigger, but it feels small. I know, yeah, I know we definitely want to go to the New England one, uh, hopefully next year, because, I mean, you look at the pictures, and it's like the weather is starting to turn really nice and crisp, and, you know, the leaves are changing color, and it's like perfect timing, and you have no idea, this year I got to that show on, uh, I want to say Wednesday, but it was like early on Wednesday, and I didn't have to do a thing until Saturday, Oh wow. so... I was just loving the weather. Um, it was it was perfect. It was perfect, and it's right there at this um, beautiful lake. And there is a seafood restaurant there that I'm not joking has such phenomenal clam chowder that like I had to go back before I went to the airport to get like a cup of chowder. It was oh. so good. Max and mermaids. <laughs> not, not that it was it was a really nice like modern seafood house it was really cute yeah. all right well maybe yeah maybe that is something that we're definitely going to we'll put that on the calendar for this upcoming year for sure because i know that that one and then i know there's the one in new york too i think you know jazair just wants to go to new york just to kind of she's never been uh there's are you talking one. about inner groom yes so the one in jersey yeah it's right next door yeah um yeah, I actually, Intergroom, I just went to that show for the first time last year, and then now um, I will be I will be attending this year, just because they have that um, team competition, okay. and it is so much fun. I awesome. love doing team competitions. That, you can't help but, like, actually, like, smile and, like, is, have a, a good time during those. Is Macy Pisa going to be your team teammate? Macy is, like, for sure my teammate. Macy's all in <laughs> I saw she is on the cover of the new Groomer to Groomer, so I, I wish her congratulations. And uh, you know, she's she's got one of those smiles that light up the room. So she's she can do it all. That lady, I love her um, dearly. We have we were actually both nominated for Up and Coming Groomer back in 2016, um, and that's how I initially met her. You know, we like started a group chat, and um, we all sat together at Hershey during the banquet, and. Um, that was when I first met Macy and then she has worked a couple events for me and we have gotten closer and closer every time. So now, um, we have our own seminar, uh, that we do, uh, kind of wherever we get hired together. So it's awesome. Yeah. She's a sweetheart. Um, <laughs> and you guys are definitely ultra talented. So, um, all right. What is the nastiest thing that has ever happened to you while grooming? Okay, so I knew that you were going to ask this because I have <laughs> listened. And I don't know if I can tell any story about wild grooming that would be too spectacular or anything like that. But I had an experience that I think was pretty gross. And um, it happened on a very big weekend. Okay. So I was featured on a documentary series called Dogs on Netflix. And um, the fourth episode is called Scissors Down because it follows Kenichi Nagasi, which is a super talented freestyle groomer from Japan, Mm -hmm. and myself through a contest weekend. And they highlight a couple of other groomers, but the story focuses on Kenichi as as a main focus and then me as the American counter 
um, a guest. <clears throat> and with, <laughs> with doing the Netflix uh, special, the filming was done throughout the weekend. You know, they like, they came to my salon, they saw me packing up, they asked me questions, they, you know, they shut down my salon. You, would, you wouldn't believe it. You know, they show up in like a U-Haul full of camera equipment and like seven people are in the salon area and they made me wait like 30 minutes because no hair could be floating in the air. So like all the fans and all the, everything had to come and settle and we had to just like wait outside for everything to like, cause their cameras are so high expensive, yeah. high, but they're also, they pick up everything. So they couldn't have a hair in the air cause it may focus on that hair instead of you behind it, you know? So like, um, it was, and when I realized how powerful their equipment was, it made me that much more nervous to I film in front of them because they're filming me grooming in my salon, you know, it, with these super high power. So I'm like, oh gosh. But after that, you know, I was fine with the filming because they were never as close as they were in the salon throughout the weekend. But they have me mic'd up most of the time. They're doing <laughs> interviews throughout the weekend. They come to my apartment or my hotel at like three o'clock in the morning to watch me go to the salon you know or go to the prepping area mm -hmm. all that <clears throat> well the day had become long and I was borrowing this dog that I had used for demos tons and I know the owners and I that dog actually has lived with me multiple times um so he's very comfortable with me but he was in my setup all day as we were you know doing demos in the in the vendor booth and, you know, he was walked, he was watered, he, but he was just like, he must have been overwhelmed by being on a trade show floor all day. He wasn't like he was competing or demoing and then getting put away. He was just like out there. And it must have stressed him out because when we drove back to the hotel from the trade show, Sydney started backing up like weird. He was like sitting in my lap and he started backing up like he was trying to sit on my shoulder like a parrot. And I thought, and I thought, what are you doing, Sydney? And then he just shit all over my shoulder. And then like as shit is coming off of my shoulder and I'm like trying to make sure it doesn't get anywhere on the car because I'm riding in passenger at the time, trying to make sure it doesn't get on the car part that I'm just letting it get on me because it's not all solid. And he throws up. I mean, he was pooping and throwing up wow. on me in the car, and I'm supposed to get out, and now I have to shower and get dressed to go back be on in a scene for Netflix. Like, I, I just got, sh like, crapped all over. It was awful. This dog has never done this before, never did it again. I, like, called the owner. I'm like, come pick up your dog. Like, I had to get an emergency backup dog to compete with. It was this whole terrible thing, but it started with him pooping on my shoulder. And the, 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 the cameras were not around during that time? No, luckily. Luckily, oh. the cameras were not in my car. They would have so, picked, they would have, the cameras would have picked that shit up for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was terrible. I couldn't even, I can't even, you don't expect something like that to happen ever. So it was, it, was, it, it happens. Dogs are finicky. You know, you just never know. Like, that poor dog was just, trying to figure out like how can I get out of here right now I'll just I'm just gonna go up to Blake's ear yeah yeah no I mean of course I didn't blame Sydney and we got you know we didn't want to put him through another day of yeah. being there so we were in Pasadena his owners are from Riverside they 
they quickly ran over and picked him up and and he was again fine and he's uh he's lived with me and he's actually the dog that's in the Rizzo Wisdom book. He's the Desi bear that I use. So Oh awesome. Yeah. Sans shit. Yeah. What, yeah. what is the uh what's the best compliment that you have ever received in your years of grooming? And that could be uh you know, that could be on the stage, that could be in your shop. Uh what's the best compliment that you've ever received? So I don't know if it's the best compliment because I think I've been flattered on many occasion by big, big names, but there was a time that I will never, ever forget. And I was, I was only, I'd only been grooming for like under a year and I had just started taking private lessons from Ann Martin. So I was driving two hours from San Francisco with dogs that I was borrowing, you know, by grooming their dogs for free. And taking them to Ann's shop to practice on. And while I had been going maybe three or four times, I show up one day. How I like to do my private lessons when I take them is I like to execute to the best of my ability within a specific time frame. And then I like the instructor to come over and critique my dog, then physically fix half of my dog for me. And then to allow me to fix the other half and reevaluate it at the end. And so it's not like someone's over my shoulder the whole time. She's sitting, you know, way over across the salon. I'm working on the dog that she's going to eventually come over and critique, right? Mm -hmm. And she glances over while she's working on a dog. And very casually, but if you know Ann Martin, she doesn't give anything away for free. And she says, hey, it actually looks like you know what you're doing. (laughs) <laughs> and like she meant it because we were good friends I actually ended up living with Anne for six months um but you know she meant it to be joking and to like make me smile but like she wouldn't have said it unless she meant it too and so for me it was the first time that I had like made a cognizant effort in my head to change something in how I was achieving a certain grooming skill and she recognized it from across the room. It was that apparent that I had made, you know, a, a, a step forward that she recognized it from across the room. And again, if any of you have ever been to a seminar and shop, she is in Davis, California. It's farm town and she has a giant shop. It's like, it's like 60 feet across 60, 70 feet across. It's huge um, from one side to the other. And uh, I was very flattered, and I'll always remember that. Uh, That's awesome. But so, so you mentioned you know you're running a salon now. So being an owner, what's your biggest pet peeve? So again, I I run a shop, I manage it, I don't own it. Um, but well, when you when you manage that shop, what what's your biggest pet peeve? Whether it has to do with your 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 employees or the clients or even your landlords and stuff. So I ha- I have one pet peeve for all of those. How's that? Um, that I, have this, I have this neighbor in my strip mall that burns sage in the parking lot every single day, every day. And like, I have nothing against burning sage and I don't even have anything against sage. But every once in a while that, you know, the wind hits just right to where it all blows directly into my salon. Like it feels like it's being funneled 
into my salon. And I hate that. I think that is so rude. Hate it. Um, with my clients, I mean, I'm like any groomer still at heart. And I, I, my blood boils when people think that their time is more important than mine. So um, I, I, I could not care in the slightest if you're going to be late and you're going to give me a warning. Um, but when people are just late and then walk in like nothing happened, um, that like drives me nuts. And, <laughs> and I wouldn't say it's a pet peeve with an employee, but um, I think just what comes with employees, the negative about it is that when something happens negative and can happen to anybody, um, at the end of the day, it's still your responsibility. Um, it falls on your shoulders and it, you know, the, some, for someone else's mistake to gravely affect your emotional and mental state to gravely affect the outcome of your day and your paycheck and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's hard. That's hard when you know, they didn't mean to, and you know that you have to take care of it anyway. And, and it's, it's a, it's a tough place to be. Yeah. It's not an easy job for sure. What, <clears throat> which celebrity's dog would you love to groom? And that could be just for the notoriety, but more importantly, it's for the, it's to meet the celebrity. Whew. Okay. So I'm not like a celebrity person. Yeah. There's no celebrities yeah. in California anyways. So <laughs> so I just mean I don't like I don't get fandom like that I feel like I like honestly I think there's a couple of people that have been on Survivor that I would rather meet than like celebrities um so yeah it's I'm actually I'm the same I'm the same way too and Matthew McConaughey could be pumping pumping gas next to me and I'd be like hey how's it going I mean, I, well, I mean, I'll definitely be like, hey, and be like, oh my God. But like, at the end of the day, like, I'm not gonna, yeah, I just, I, yeah, it's not something I get tickled over, but I have like weird obsessions with certain reality characters that I really like connect with. And um, so like, I really love Survivor. And there's this character, Stephanie, who is on a tribe that gets dwindled all the way down to just her. And it's like, super inspiring and then she gets invited back for heroes versus villains and in the very first challenge she knocks her shoulder like out of its socket and she didn't want to get sent home because she didn't want to get medevac so she popped it back into place herself and like ever since then i have the biggest like lady boner for stephanie I think she's, like, <laughs> the coolest thing ever <laughs> Uh, that's the first I've ever heard that term. So, so I will I will groom Stephanie's dog. There you okay. go. All right, Stephanie with the shoulder that's now back into place. <laughs> uh, what what advice do you have for groomers who feel that they're not ready to compete yet? This is a very important question, obviously, because I I want to get it to the point where. I really want everyone to start competing. Like that's just, that's kind of like my goal. Um, so what, what advice do you have for groomers who are like in the back of their head, they're saying, I'm just not ready, but really talent wise they, they are. Okay. So there's a few points I want to hit on this. 
first, um, I don't agree that everyone should compete. Um, there is more to competing than just cutting the dog's hair, and there's more to competing than just um, learning. Uh, there is a lot of factors that come in mentally and physically. Um, to wake up at three o'clock in the morning is a lot to ask of someone if they have physical uh, disabilities. Um, and then also some people have social and mental anxieties and, and issues that competing maybe won't be the best for them, but they can still be a very uh, like excellent groomer and can treat local pets just, just great. So no, I don't necessarily, I not, I wouldn't say that necessarily everyone needs to compete. However, yeah. it wouldn't be the first time in China, they require them to um, certify and they have to do that in a competition type setting. So while it isn't, it isn't necessarily out and out like a competition competition, they're really competing against themselves more or less to get certified, but it's in, it's in a public venue, you know, their handling is seen. They have to get up and prepare themselves, have their tools be, you know, professional and achieve a trim and have it judged in front of their peers. So um, it's definitely something that some, some communities do and they have a lot of success with it. And because of that, they put a lot more money into education. So I know that China has some really big educational type um, events because of how they focus their groomers to get to that point of professionally grooming. That being said, I agree with you that you should compete if you can. I, again, am an ambassador for Foxy Roxy and we uh, sponsor Best First Timer for actually the majority of competitions here in the States. And what that is, is it is like, hey, you've never competed before, but you, you, you bucked up and you got in the ring and you got your dog clean and you're gonna cut some hair. Then we want to we want to give you that special acknowledgement to compete against your true peers that are other first timers. So just know if you haven't competed, most if not all venues now have a best first timer, which kind of puts you in a subcategory. My other thing is that most people feel the way that you and I do, Ryan, and most people intend to encourage new competitors. So if you're an entry-level competitor competing for the first time, I'm just going to go ahead and bank on the judge being very, very nice to you. I'm going to bank on them really making sure that you understand where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, and that you don't get flustered and you're able to just focus on what you need to focus on and walk away with some real benefits. So the industry really welcomes those newbies. Um, so I, I wouldn't be scared. You're never going to be ready, but you'll be fine. That was an excellent response, Blake. Seriously, it was because even what you said about, you know, having that social anxiety or disabilities and things like that. Uh, of course, there are people out there that are like, well, I just, I, I physically can't, can't do that. But so you went through that and then you went through the whole, you still answered the question. So thank you very much. That was awesome. What are some of the best resources that you have used to further your career, such as books, videos, podcasts, seminars? Can you hear me? I can hear you. It does sound like maybe you're breaking up a little bit, but... Um, yeah, it just came back on. Did you hear what I said about you answering that question, like, phenomenally? Yeah. 
thank you. Yes, yes, yes. And then I heard your next question about You just wanted to hear that again, didn't you? <laughs> You're like, uh, I, I, it cut out again. Can you please repeat that? <laughs> no. Um, so study resources, right? No, I was saying, what are some of the best resources that you've used to further your career, such as books, videos, podcasts, seminars? So when I had gotten out of grooming school with my hours completed with my mentor, I realized that while he taught me how to bathe and he allowed me to groom a lot, he didn't allow me to groom faces. I don't know if he allowed me to do them at all, to be completely honest. But if you did, it was very few. And so when I got into my position of grooming, I was actually the only groomer in a shop that had never had a groomer before. They were always self-serve. So it was fairly easy for me to slide by and learn on the way because no one knew what it was supposed to look like. The clients weren't established, so they weren't, you know, like dissatisfied compared to a previous groomer. So it was lucky for me, but... Um, I would wake up every morning and turn on YouTube and watch videos of different crazy people <laughs> grooming dogs in their living rooms and like in their kitchens and stuff because anyone can post on YouTube and I didn't know what was what, but you still take things away from every person. You know, my first spray up was done with banding techniques I learned off YouTube. You know, my first clients, I was doing faces with techniques I learned off YouTube. So I definitely did that a lot, but I don't have like a person. I just would search what I would wanted to search. Um, but I also bought a lot, a lot of super styling sessions. Uh, when I had first started from Jay and Sue, uh, that's also what my school provided as additional um, uh, education was some of their videos. So. Um, yeah, it was a lot of that, but I was lucky enough to go to a seminar pretty quickly. And then, like I said, I, I had a mentor uh, with Ann Martin, and I really always aspire to groom like her. So I try not to veer too much away from that now. Good deal. We, um, we're, we're getting towards the end here of the podcast. And I first want to thank you for all your time and especially some of the snafus that the uh, that we ran into a little bit earlier. So thank you. What, no what would you like to see happen? This is kind of a loaded question. So take your time answering it. What would you like to see happen in the future of grooming and showing competitively? Hmm. So if we're talking about showing, which few groomers listening to this will be, um, but when you're talking about showing dogs, I would say what needs to change because if it doesn't, we truly are looking at the end of dog sports. Um, but they need to entrust new people without established careers with quality dogs. You cannot give someone with no reputation in the industry a dog with a severe fault and expect them to be able to finish it the same way you can with a 30 year established line and reputation in your area. So I have seen all too often people who have never shown a dog get a purebred dog from a quote unquote show line and end up with quite an egregious uh, specimen. And uh, I just, I just feel like, 
that needs to stop because if you don't get new people in to broaden the bloodlines and keep it moving forward, we're going to run out of dogs. Like we're not going to have the pretty beautiful purebred dogs because you guys are going to take them to the grave with you. So as far as showing goes, that needs to change. But with grooming competitions, I don't know. People, you know, people want there to be more spaces, but that requires longer judging times, longer photograph times, which is inhumane to the animal. Mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, the just like we are groomers and we do it because we love dogs, we still have to make money. Well, the, the trade shows put on shows because they want to have a platform for our industry to grow and to enter intertwine and to be able to collaborate that way but they need to make money along the way and the fact of the matter is two grooming tables sitting next to each other getting rented out four times for show for competitions throughout the weekend does not make what they could make with a booth sitting in that same square footage so you have to remember that the barkley or any show any trade show they are there to have uh to have you know, the the vendors have a place and traffic to get their word and their product out, but they can't they can't allocate all their space to competitions. So I don't want to see bigger competition rings. Um I do think that the number of wins required to go up is fine. I think maybe, maybe there could be another level. Maybe there just needs to be another level. Um, I don't think that that level needs to be not groom team or groom team or whatever people like to say, well, I, I'm open and I love to compete, but I don't want to be on groom team, so I don't want to compete against people. And I don't, I don't think that makes sense either. I just think maybe there needs to be another division. But at the end of the day, it all needs to be um, – pretty similar to what we expect to see at the world's ring, which is why our breeds have been limited and freestyle no longer counts for groom team points. Because in reality, we're preparing for that big competition to represent the country and we need to make sure that we're kind of in line with everyone. So I, I don't know what needs to change. I, I love competing in group competitions, so I, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it is for sure. I, I <clears throat> The only reason I ask this is because, you know, uh, you have someone that is, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. When okay. you have somebody who is on a roll for uh, competing and they're just like really addicted to it and they're really happy to do it and then they, a show is coming up and as soon as something opens up to sign up for it, 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 it like basically blocks out so quickly. It can be, uh, I don't know. You know, it stops people in their tracks. It's like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm. I really want to compete at this. I really want to compete at this. And then, either you're grooming that day when they open it up for, you know, for you to to sign up, and you just don't have a chance to do it. And then you kind of like, okay, well, I guess I have to wait three more months to to compete. It's kind of, it's it's disheartening, so, you know. So I am one of the ideas I had, and I don't even know the logistics of it. It was just an idea I had when I was talking to Laura Jane about it. And that would be to have like maybe a twilight to where you have like a kind of a later competition um, where it's those people who maybe are not up for an award. They are 
not going to be going or missing a seminar or something like that to where maybe it's at 10 o'clock at night. I don't even know if that's feasible, but that was my, that was my thought just to open up more spaces. You're not taking away more physical space at the event, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know just coming from not completely different side of it, but as someone who competes and and, and has to speak and, and there's kind of something going on all the time. If, if I were a judge, I would not want to judge a 10 o'clock class. Um, I would, it would be pretty near impossible to get me to do that. Um, but what I will say is someone said this to me once in regards to grooming competitions. So I'm just going to repeat it because I think it really stands true. Um, she said, when I want to go see the Ariana Grande concert and it sells out in 0.2 seconds, I don't call the Coca-Cola stadium and ask them to add another seat. So what that means is no matter how stupid it is or important, if it's important to you, you will make it happen. And in the five, six years that I've been competing, I have never, ever missed an entry for any class I have ever wanted to do ever. So if you want to do it, you can make it happen. I don't think working that day makes a difference. I don't think anything like that. I think that you either want it or you don't. Do you think it'll get to the point where people will be uh, selling their spot? For, for uh, They're, they're going to be scalping their, their spot like an Ariana Grande ticket? <laughs> well, luckily, they won't allow that with the wait list. And and what I do think will happen, though, is the way the market works with anything, I would expect to see um, entries going up because supply and demand, you know, we can't we can't put any more tables out there. So we got to make them more expensive. And then it it will cut back people from competing four times in a weekend. Maybe they'll only compete three times. And then that will be a little bit less packed classes and allow for more people to get it. Yeah, that's true. So that's that. That's what I would anticipate happening is each entry getting more expensive. Okay. We uh, were almost to the speed round, which is definitely fun. And then that's the uh, penultimate, you know, for, of the podcast. But before we get into that, I know you are, you're dipping your hands in a lot of things in the industry. And, uh, the, you know, you've got the retreats, you've got Groom Source, you've got Foxify, you've got Foxy Roxy. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to kind of just encompass all that stuff to all the listeners out there. So that way you can kind of give yourself a nice plug. Um, and like I said, I, I'm kudos on the retreats. I think that those are awesome. And uh, it, it's something I think I would want to go to just to, to kind of be there, even though I'm not a groomer. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Ryan. You're right. I work with a lot of companies and um with that, it's actually been Groom Source that has allowed me to have that kind of relationship with so many companies. Um, but I am sponsored by Foxy Roxy Supply Company, as well as iGroom, Luxury Pet Beauty Care, and um, Groom Loop, and um, <laughs> sorry, uh, Ladybird Line. And with sponsorships, they are very helpful. 
And most, anytime you talk to anyone in the industry, you will hear from them that they don't want to rep anything that they don't actually use and they actually like. And I will say that's pretty true. I've tried to hire people and if they don't like it, they won't talk about it. And, and I would say that's pretty true for everyone in the industry. And I feel that way. I use nothing but eye groom in my salon. I use nothing but groom loop loops. I use, you know, all Foxy Roxy scissors all the time. Um, so I truly love the stuff that I work with, but I actually get a chance now just to kind of touch on people who are listening that think, oh, I want to be a sponsored groomer or, oh, I could do this if I was a sponsored groomer or this or that. Um, it's not a Nike sponsorship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like we're not getting paid like millions of dollars to do the stuff that we do. What most, most people that work for brands, um, they usually get free product and then um, the better brands will um, help with travel or entries or lodging or all of the above. Um, and why I have shown such commitment to my brands is because I give them a good amount of attention. So when iGroom sponsors me, they take care of me to do a specific class. So anytime I do that class, they pay for it. Anytime I do a specific class, Groom Loop pays for it, and so on and so forth. So I'm able to go to a show and alleviate the cost so that everyone has to pitch in a little bit. Um, so it still takes work. It still takes finagling. Um, and I still have to make ends meet. You know, I'm, I am sponsored. I do have a lot of things taken care of me for me at the shows. But, you know, like if I want to, you know, fill up someone's gas tank or take an Uber or get food or missing all the work, I still do all of that. Um, and the, and, and working for brands just helps in, in sustaining that type of schedule with all the traveling. So I couldn't do all of this without them. And I thank them immensely. I have tons of problem pro projects, problems. That's a bad Freudian slip. Um, I have lots of projects that I do with Foxy Roxy Supply Company, which is owned by Jill Haley. And one of those projects is the Foxify Retreats. We have held seven, I think, now. Um, they've been all over the country. What it is is an all-inclusive retreat. So you show up on the first day, and from that moment until the moment you leave, we take care of all your food and your booze and your sleeping arrangements. But there's also anywhere from eight to 10 grooming demonstrations. Um, those demonstrations will include show dogs, pet dogs. We always get a shelter animal directly from a lo local shelter. Um, we've had shelter cats. Um, we so we can focus on handling and just achieving something on a new pet. It's really for the all around groomer. But the thing that I think is most special about the Fox Five events is that we have a grooming van there for all the prep work. So if you want to get up at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning with the instructors and with the Foxify staff and watch how we prep dogs before they get to that demonstration moment, you can actually get up and see all of that. And if you forget a question or you're too nervous to ask a question, you can ask me at dinner. You can pull me away after you sing something on karaoke night. You know, the, it, you maybe struggled seeing something from where you were at, which probably won't happen. 
but if you do, the dogs are there. So they, they run around, you get to see the trim in motion, you get to see the trim, you know, over the next couple days. Uh, we have swag bags and games and lots of sponsors. We've had um, six guest speakers, um, Groom Team USA members, Groom Team Canada members, um, Andis Global Educators, just really big names. The one that we have coming up is in Palm Springs. It's March 1st through the 4th, and it will have me doing six grooming demonstrations. And at this one, we're substituting two of the demonstrations for a salon sanitation certification through Barkley, instructed by Karina Stormworthy, who's a microbiologist and a Barkley Honors nominee. And then our other guest speaker is Joey Bellani, who is a just a huge name in the industry. He's the liaison for Groom Team USA. He just judged in a, a big uh, like game contest show in Australia. He was also a, ju uh, a judge on Groomer Has It. So most people know Joey. He's coming to teach us all about business. Uh, two different power hours, one each day. But what's special about the Palm Springs retreat is that we've added an extra day that is 100% for rest and relaxation. We have this gorgeous house that's like made for Coachella events. And now you can just stay an extra day, not miss a single thing and be able to book your travel and not get shooed out of the house, you know? So um, we're really excited about it. We were the first people to put a retreat out there. And, um, and I'm very happy to, again, be a, a leading front and a leading force on something that has become um, more of an industry trend now. You know, there's there's quite a few people um, scheduling or uh, attempting to um, get some similar events going. And Foxify, you know, it sold out. I sold out an entire house in 24 hours the first time we did it. So um, it's it's it sold out quite a few times, and we we been very successful and it all started with a group of people that just were hungry for education but also wanted more intimate learning and we love doing the foxify events and then as you know with iGroom I have been with them since the beginning so when they started I was their first brand ambassador in the entire world and now they're all over the world and we're going to South Korea to do some big launch next year and it's going to be like huge. So I'm very happy to be with such homegrown, but really talented companies. Awesome. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. And uh, congratulations on everything. It's well-deserved. Uh, and I don't think there's anyone out there that, that says that you don't work hard enough. So, um, well, thank you. <laughs> All right, you ready for the for the speed round? And then we got one final question after this. Okay, go ahead. All right, favorite color? Blue. Favorite TV show growing up? Friends. Favorite grooming show? Oh, yeah, favorite grooming show. I, we already discussed this. It's uh, one in Pasadena. So your favorite quote? Um, ooh, quote, I guess. Uh, get what you get and don't throw a fit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right is that like on a pillow behind you or what <laughs> no yeah you know what's funny is um i uh i said something along the lines of like 
what did I say? When I was filming Netflix, I said some random phrase, like some saying that I never say. And the whole time that they were editing for like 11 months, I was just like, please, please, please don't put that in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't even remember what it was now. Like, I never say it and it just popped out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh God, watch, they're going to put that. So that's funny. I guess I don't know many quotes. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Um, favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, vodka soda. Vodka soda. Your favorite snack while grooming? Uh, I guess, I mean, normally I'd say chips, but now I can't eat chips. I have to eat nuts. So <laughs> um, I switched to nuts. I like something uh, crunchy, I guess. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. Uh, favorite thing to listen to while you groom if you lis listen to anything? Okay, so I have to switch. I have to alternate. Sometimes I'm listening to books, and I'll listen to books for, like, a few months. And then I'll listen to, like, Disney music for a few months. And then I'll listen to, like, crime series and, like, death mystery, mystery stories. So I pretty much listen to the whole gambit, but I get bored and have to switch. So, yeah, I've done my podcast kicks and, and everything. I just keep myself entertained. Well, you seem like a really big Disney fan. Have you seen Frozen 2? I haven't. So I'm a really huge Disney fan up until, like, 2012. And then, like, my love for their stuff kind of dies off. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. That's how I was with Metallica. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, so your favorite word that is innocently dirty? Um, I guess cum. God, that's so terrible. <laughs> that's the best one so far. That's the best <laughs> one so far. Because I, I, I always used to say the example, which was moist, and then they would be like, uh, moist? And I'm like, no, you can't, you can't steal the one word that I gave you. And now, um, moist, I never got the moist thing. I just, yeah, I, I, I don't do the thing with butt, but, like, if I hear someone saying come, like, yeah. it, you know, like, you just hear that. It's like, I, it's yeah. like, lady boner, right? Lady boner. Yeah, lady boner, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite lunch on grooming days uh, pre-30-pound weight loss? <laughs> pre 30 pounds. Actually, it's pretty much the same. Uh, I, I just, I have a Sprouts really close to my salon. So it's either a Sprouts sandwich or a Sprouts salad because they have the salad bar in there. So like it's been more salads lately, but uh, I still get sandwiches from time to time. I just told you I just switched out the chips and soda for nuts and water. So what the hell is a Sprouts? Sprouts. It's like a, it's like a, you know, it's like one like of those. Subway? No, it's like a grocery store, but they think they're really cool. Like it's a farmer's market, but it's not because it's a chain. <laughs> so it's like not a farmer's market, but the stuff is like, it's all healthier. Like they don't have Doritos at this one. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. Like yeah, they have like blue corn chips instead. Yeah, it's like, it's like everything's like healthier. So gotcha. they make really good sandwiches for pretty cheap. Their salad bars like eight bucks a pound or something. And like who eats a pound of salad? <laughs> no one. I do. I do. It's a big problem. If I ever go to a salad bar and they weigh it by the pound, I have to walk away. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, the salad so. will come out to like twenty-eight dollars. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've never had a problem with the price. Um, it's right next to my salon. Uh, so if I eat lunch, it's from Sprouts. It's a sandwich or a salad, uh, or I don't eat lunch, which I think a lot of groomers do that. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. So finally, uh, what is next for Blake Hernandez and where can people reach out to you? So it's always best to contact me on Facebook, but I have a page called Scissors and Such by Blake Hernandez or Scissors and Such Blake Hernandez, something like that. Um, that page is monitored by me and my people. So like, if I don't answer a question there, they get on me and they're like, Hey, you need to reply to this person. But if you message me directly and I wake up at two o'clock in the morning to go pee and I open it, there's a good chance I will never see it again and I will never reply to it and it'll never get handled. So if you want to contact me, I would say scissors and such Blake Hernandez on Facebook is a page. You can message that page. Of course, you can always try messaging me directly. Um, I do have an Instagram. It's at Blake M as in Mitchell Hernandez, um, Blake M Hernandez. And you can try reaching me there. It'll probably take a while because I'm not as good about Instagram. But what's next for me? Well, I'm glad you asked. No, um, I'm just really excited because I have quite a few international assignments next year. Um, I'll be teaching um, in quite a few countries over in Europe and then a couple over here, or well, one over here in North America. Um, and it is really fun to watch my uh, career grow this way. I learned a long time ago, I think before I was a groomer, there was this like, it's either a study or a saying or a, a thought or a belief, but it was that if a person were to study on a subject every day for seven years, that they would have the knowledge equivalent to that of an international expert. So like, you know, you could be a freaking shut-in, but if you studied on some particular thing for every, like you could know just as much as the person out there teaching all the seminars is kind of what it, it's talking about. Well, I just feel like I finally have done that. Like I have been putting myself to work for seven years and literally almost to the day I'll be traveling internationally to like go teach all over like it's, it's just crazy to think that it really happened yeah so I'm super excited about that and then um and and gracious really I for people to acknowledge my career from so far away is also like pretty flattering um but <clears throat> what is for me next is actually GroomSource's growth. Um, GroomSource started as Learn to Foxify the subscription, which was a video subscription that was just me. It was just me teaching grooming on my own. And once a month, I would ask someone to come on and teach something else so that there was a little bit of variety, but it wasn't that much. And it grew very well. And we got interest from Barkley. Um, to help us with it and to buy into it, which happened. And we now have much better production and a great deal more um, variety. And it's been really great. So with that growth, it kind of needed to jump outside of the Facebook realm that it was in. So now GroomSource is an app. And you guys can't see it quite yet, though it is done. And it is in the, it's in most of the stores. It's ready to be approved, but there's this one store. It's taking a while. You should see it in there by next Monday. 
and then we will be able to say, hey, go look at our app. But um, <laughs> all the people who were already GroomSource members, we can give them um, individualized codes to get them in through the back end. Anyone else will be able to download GroomSource from that point. But what's great is all the videos that we've ever had are there. All future videos will, will be there. And it is categorized by speaker. So you can totally, you know, you can go on a cat ops and binge and see everything that she does. She's your favorite groomer. Or you can find stuff by what you need, you know, in Airedale or whatever. But it's also a community. So rather than having to keep, you know, a clean Facebook page and trying to keep it edited so people can use it, we can kind of let this community page build so that people can ask questions and multiple speakers can debate and actually have like education up and, and, and stay up permanently. But there will also be articles and um, live streaming available all in the app. But on top of all of this, it will actually also have reference photos. So there's a whole section where you can go by breed or even into a freestyle section and look at really good angles and headshots and different reference photos for different grooms. So it's really just the perfect asset for a groomer who's sitting there with a cat, you know, on their table and they're like, oh my gosh, can I use this shampoo on a cat? Well, you can go look at your favorite groomer, Blake Fernandez, and he does cats, and you can see that I groom Squeaky Clean as one of his recommended shampoos for cats. And you'll be able to apply that just as easily as you could be like, oh my gosh, I have an Airedale and I have never done an Airedale before. I need to go watch Heather Rousey do an Airedale. So it's just an amazing resource. It's only $30 a month. And actually, if this podcast gets out before we launch it on the app, you can still get it for $30 a month. Once we go live, Room Team USA, they're global educators. They are working for different brands. Uh, you know that we have different companies come on and uh, they're able to highlight new products, um, existing products that are um, you know, really good sellers and why they sell so well and why they're so effective. It's just a really great place for all encompassing education, including business highlights from Joey Villani. And we also have a sharpener that comes on and talks about um, different needs that we need as uh, groomers to maintain their equipment, but also to be able to recognize when your sharpener is doing a good job and to make sure that you're getting your money's worth there. So it's just, it's just a great thing. And I'm glad that we've got it in app form now. So that's, that's what's on the horizon for me. So can you repeat that thing? Uh, I lost you for a little bit. You said about they, they can sign up right now for $30 a month before you go live. And then after what, what does the price go up to? So it is $30 a month now. It always has been um, if you sign up now. Once we get approved in that final app store, we will have to um, raise the price to $39 a month. So gotcha. at this point, we aren't live and in the app stores yet. You can still sign up the way that we always have. You'll get a special code when the app comes out, and you'll always be grandfathered in at that $30 a month. But if you wait, because you're trying to wait and see what it looks like, it's $39 a month.
but it's actually already done. It's on my phone. I showed everyone in the paid group already. We just have to get approved into those app stores. So it, it's ready to go. Gotcha. That sounds incredible. And uh, it's uh, another Blake approved project. And they, uh, I, I'm telling you what, I'm going to do my very best to stay up really late tonight to edit this and get this out as soon as possible, which I'm, I'm aiming for tomorrow. Um, so you guys that are listening, you will have an opportunity to get that for the cheaper price. And uh, the last thing I guess I'm going to say is your sponsors should be giving you a nice bonus check for your episode today. You might even have enough gas to go pick up your mom from Missouri. <laughs> well, thanks. It was it was fun and easy, and I like I said uh, before we start recording, I've got a lot to say. So, um, and I I like to have different projects working, even ones that I didn't mention. So maybe you'll get to hear about um, more coming up. That sounds great. Uh, I really appreciated uh, this this interview and the time that you gave us. It was incredible. And uh, thank you, sir. I'm going to be going to the uh, Palmetto show that's in January and then the Atlanta Pet Fair. Are you going to be going to either of those two? I will be at Atlanta Pet Fair because I am doing the uh, team competition with Macy. Um, But I I actually won't be able to compete in the breed classes because I am taking a few private lessons here in January and February. And those will be a conflict of interest. Um, until a later date so i will just be doing that team challenge all right well i will uh i'll see you in atlanta kind sir and uh, you have a great holiday season and uh thank thank you very much for your time blake all right you too you have a good one all right thank you bye We appreciate all of you out there who are following and enjoying the podcast. If you could leave a glowing review for Grooming Unleashed, it would mean a lot to us, as well as sharing with your grooming friends, coworkers, bosses, and anyone else in the industry. Uh, It would mean a lot. It also would mean a lot if you would visit our sponsor, Loyalty Pet Products, at www.loyaltypetproducts.com. And don't forget, you can use the code UNLEASHED to save 10% off of your next order. Thank you very much for our sponsorship, Loyalty Pet Products, and thank you to all of you guys who are listening to us at Grooming Unleashed. We appreciate you and your support.